Hey, Lifehouse. What's up, y'all? Man, fist bump. We're getting to day 19 in the 30-day Bible reading challenge. I don't know who selected these chapters, but they have been so good. So thank you, thank you, thank you for encouraging um, us to spend the last month um, digging into God's Word. It is so rewarding. Um, and today is no exception. We're digging into Ephesians chapter 2. Um, good stuff here today, y'all. This is such an important chapter, especially if you're a new believer. Um, so we're just going to see what Paul has to say. He's reaching out to the church in Ephesus. Um, one thing about Paul is that he does not mince words, so it is a hard truth in the beginning. But if you hang in there, um, the reward is coming. Let's do it. Let's dig in, y'all. All right, so right off the jump, hard truth. As for you, talking to me, um, as well, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. So right away, if you're like me, you may be asking, how do you be dead when you alive? Well, I have a vivid imagination. I'm going to share what's going on in my mind's eye with you guys um, concerning that passage of scripture. And in my mind, I can like visualize two paths. So there's um, this path that he talks about in verses 1 through 6 that is satisfying the flesh, um, gratifying its cravings, giving in to its desires and thoughts. And that path, you can be living and walking along that path that ends up in eventual death. So though you're alive, um, you're choosing to walk down this path of eventual death. So it's almost like you're dying a little bit every day. Um, and then there's this other path that um, dies to the flesh, says no to the flesh, and chooses this path of life. So you're living every day, getting closer and closer to that final destination, which is eternal life um, with our Father. So though we are alive, we can choose this path of death, and that's exactly what we're doing when we're giving in to these fleshly um, desires that our society shouts us to give into, right? Sometimes at our church, we call that you do you, boo boo mentality, um, constantly just vying for our attention. And it's creating this uh, daily struggle. But there's hope versus verse five. Um, because of God's great love for us, and he's rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ Jesus, even when we were dead in our transgression. So even when we were dead, so on that path of death, he grafts us, kind of takes that railroad um, lever, shifts it. Well, the minute we say yes, it puts us on that path to life. Move on. It is by grace we have been saved, and we're going to come back to that. So made us alive with Christ, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realm. So two things I want to point out is just the tense in which that is written in. Made us, raised us, seated us. I'm going to call that, those, those three words are written in forever tense, right? It's a done work. It's a past work. It's a present work. It's a future work. Um, made us, raised us, seated us with Christ. 
So apart from Christ, none of this is possible. Um, it's not through works, which verse one talks about, that no one can boast, but it does require this active grace, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. So this active grace, which is done, it's a done work, um, sealed through the death and resurrection of Jesus, but with faith. So by grace, through faith. So if you're a formula person, the formula is active faith, which is done, plus faith that we have to choose over and over again every day, equals salvation. Um, so, um, powerful words right there. And then we get to verse 10, 10 um, one of my favorite verses, and it says, For we are God's handy work. We are handcrafted, details um, in mind um, with great care and intentionality. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus, we see that again, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So right there, if we could sum up verses one through 10, there's this wrestling between these two mindsets and I'm gonna go even further and call them patterns for living. We've got this path, this satisfying um, fleshly desires over here, and we've got fulfilling um, God's predestined work for us over here in this, this pattern of life. And what I've learned about satisfaction and fulfillment in my 42 years of life is that satisfaction is temporary. It is easy sometimes, most times, to obtain it is fickle, what satisfies you one day won't satisfy you the next. And it's insatiable, it's never enough. And that's what satisfying the flesh often feels like. Um, it's temporary, easy, it can happen quickly, it's fickle. You know, what satisfies the flesh one day will not satisfy the next, and it's never satisfied which is kind of an oxymoron in itself. Satisfying the flesh is never done. Death is never satisfied. It always wants more and more and more of you. And there's fulfillment. So that fulfillment path, that um, walking in, that work that you were pre, that was predestined for you to do, you were handcrafted for. Here's what I've learned about fulfillment. It takes time. It requires training in that time and in that training as you're working towards fulfilling that um, good work, that goal, you're being shaped and stretched and molded and changed and evolved in that process and it leaves you full. So when you set out to obtain a goal, um, no matter what that goal is, if you've worked hard for it, you've trained for it, you've been shaped as a result for it. When you obtain it, um, you just, you're full, you're full. Um, so good, good stuff there. Um, I do wanna go back, cause this is important, and this is back in verse nine, sorry for jumping back. But I do wanna point out that not by works. So that's important because it ties into this next half of the chapter. And it talks about um, the the God or Jesus being the um, 
tearing down that separation that separated the old covenant from, and then re and establishing this new covenant, which the Gentiles, and we can include ourselves in that group of people, can obtain citizenship with. So it's not by works, it's by faith. So yes, there's the law, and um, you know that there's that, but it is through faith and through God's grace um, that really are the fundamental building blocks of the new um, this new covenant that we can obtain. Nothing we can do. None of our works can't do this, but. Um, we receive this done, finished work um, of the cross that results in um, us living a fulfilled um, life, you know, that eventually leads to um, eternal life um, with, with, with our Heavenly Father. So, but more than that, for He Himself is our peace. So He took this old... Um, citizenship that only Jews really could obtain by being born into. Um, the only way you can obtain is being born into this old covenant. Christ then, through him, became the door and the way for us to receive this new citizenship. He brought us near through the blood of Christ. We're no longer strangers. Um, and then it talks about Jesus being the cornerstone for um, a a temple, if you will. We're building blocks. We're part of that structure. Um, very exciting because verse 22 that says, in him, you two are being built together. So us, with him, built with him as this chief cornerstone, um, becoming a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. So Paul calls um, for, um, says that Jesus is the cornerstone. Um, so the cornerstone, interesting thing about that is that when a structure is being built, it goes first. So you lay down the cornerstone first and it is a guide for every subsequent stone that goes on top of it, on top of it or next to it to create this seamless structure. This is a powerful image for me um, because the stones that follow, um, that go on top of that cornerstone, which is a guide, um, they have to be turned or maybe even reshapen so that they fit perfectly. Um, that is powerful, like I said, for me because sometimes I felt or I feel in life that, you know, I'm taking a 180 degree turn or maybe even feel, um, you know, reshapen um, altogether, but it's so that this structure can be joined together and create this seamless dwelling place in which God can live by his spirit. So there's a purpose for that. And that's how Paul punctuates this chapter. So um, lots of rich things there. Um, I hope that as you went through and read this, that um, you were inspired by just the truth that he shared with us in this passage. Okay, we're going to close in prayer. Um, thank you, God, for this time together. Thank you, O oh Lord. We thank you, Father, for the complete work of the cross. We thank you for the citizenship that we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the fulfillment that we have um, when we choose to uh, journey down the path that leads to life in you, Lord. 
we thank you, Lord God, that you extend salvation to us, that you've taken the work um, out of our hands because it can only be perfect, a perfect and done and complete work through Christ. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you have given us the impartation of the Holy Spirit to empower us, Father God, as we uh, lay down our fleshly desires daily to choose the path of righteousness, Lord. Father, I pray that you help us to adjust the volume um, of our flesh, God, and help us to give priority and ultimately um, just preference, soul preference to um, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Thank you for trusting us, Lord, with the Spirit and allowing us to be a part of a of the structure with Christ as the cornerstone to be a dwelling place for you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would just be upon every ear, every life um, that is uh, tuning into this right now, God. That you would just take residence in their lives, residence in their hearts, Lord, whatever they may be going through, God. We thank you for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name.